Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. We've got a pretty fun 10-game slate in the NBA tonight, Nate. There are a bunch of players uh, sort of listed as questionable right now all over the board, so definitely want to make sure you're checking all of that out uh, and staying on thelines.com where we have all of that great content for you and we stay up to date on all this stuff. We also got a couple other videos up for you today. In this one, we're taking a look at the Warriors and the Suns, a pretty fun match about West. Uh, as I mentioned, a couple guys that were trying to see if they are going to play mainly Chris Paul tonight for the Suns, which affects a ton of what we're looking at here. So make sure to monitor all of that uh, as you are, as you guys are getting these videos out. Also, uh, like I said, like and subscribe. Check out the other couple videos. We're bringing you each and every weekday a couple videos and our player props that we also have up for you today. And on the lines.com is where you can get all that great written content. Keep up to date with all of these injuries and who's coming in and out of the lineups and use that great odds finder tool to go ahead and make sure that you're shopping lines to the best of your ability across these U.S. sportsbooks. Nate, let's go ahead and talk about these lines real quick quick and then talk dubs and sons yeah we got a nice 10 game slate here this will be the nightcap but looking at the other games on the board we got pacers plus three at charlotte uh thunder plus three at wizards wolves minus six at orlando paulo bancaro's out there minus one and a half is miami at toronto both teams probably going to be without some key guys there so steering clear boston is minus three at atlanta we break that game down for you totals at 236 and leaning under despite the Celtics explosion. The Bulls are plus three at the Pels, uh, who are on a back-to-back after beating Memphis. So Zion didn't play last night. We'll see about tonight. Cavs are plus four at the Bucks. Jared Allen is out for them. Donnie Mitchell maybe going to return. Bucks still missing Drew Holiday. Might get Pat Connington back. Rockets are plus nine at Dallas, uh, who's on a back-to-back after handling business against the Clippers. The Knicks are on a road back-to-back. They're plus three and a half at Denver uh, with Jokic out due to health and safety protocols. And then we get to this game. Yeah, the Warriors now plus one. It was plus two at first, and this was the look-ahead line. I said to Josh, like, okay, we're taking taking the dubs here. First pick, most confident pick. All these teams do is clap back at each other. I mean, after the Suns just stomped on the Warriors early, you know, adding – to the Warriors' early struggles, um, I think now it's it's the shoes on the other foot. And now it's the Suns that are struggling without Chris Paul, um, who left early again in that loss at Philly. They've lost three of their last four. Managed to hang in there against Miami, surprisingly, and I believe cover a one-and-a-half-point spread. But Devin Booker, fittingly, stuffed on the last possession by Jimmy Butler. And now Klay Thompson, who sat out the Warriors last game, I think just to circle this one and prepare for Mr. Booker, who he got into it last time when they were blown out. And he reminded him several times that he has several more rings than young Mr. Booker. And if he has something left in the tank defensively, he's going to be all over Book right now. Uh, if, if Chris Paul's out and Book is getting extra defensive attention and getting you know, the rejuvenated Warriors defense overall as a team, right? I mean, they were just awful to start the season, but they've turned a complete corner, just stomped out the Spurs who, you know, even with their personnel playing really efficient offense these days. And so now in their last four, they have the fourth best defensive rating. The bench is up to the eighth best defensive rating. Huge turnaround. I believe DiVincenzo's back in there to help out with that. Jordan Poole finally got his offense going on Jordan Poole bobblehead night, uh, which is always a nice oh, yeah. boost. So, I mean, I think the Warrior, the champs are back to being the champs here. Um, I mean, they're clicking, and they they love 
like I said, to come back and get Phoenix. Um, well, last year, I think they lost the first two in this series, and then they came back with a big win in December, uh, early December. So I think we're about on the same timeline here uh, where, where Steph is just playing out of his mind, where the Suns' backcourt might run into some trouble. There's no Landry Shamit, no Cam Johnson to try to take some of that scoring load off. Um, the Suns' offense is just – not, not been there except for that win against the Wolves who they just own no matter what. Uh, you know, they had, they went two for four at the free throw line against the, the Heat uh, in their last game. Two for four. I mean, when was the last time an NBA team had four free throw attempts? That's just like a complete lack of aggression uh, and inability to capitalize on what the Warriors were struggling most at, right, which is keeping guys off the line. And then defensively, they gave up 15 threes to a Heat team that's not particularly good from beyond the arc. Caleb Martin, five for six, wide open shots there, six trays off the bench for the Heat. So the Warriors obviously can spread you out, hit plenty of threes. Um, I would look at their team total here. I think they're going to win or even an alternate spread. Like I, if I was setting this line, I would probably have Warriors minus three and a half or so. Wow. Um, I mean, certainly if Paul's out, I think if right. Paul's in, Maybe you, you get it back up to plus two and a half or something, or you get more on the money line. But yeah, yeah I'm taking Warriors all day in this one. I love it. I love the confidence. Um, I, I love the conviction. I love it all because it, it, it what you said was to, to me when we were talking, and you, you know, you were like, listen, um, we're, we're taking dubs. And I was like, so we're getting ahead of the dubs, right? We're, we're, we're not basing this entirely on what they've done so far because they're Owen seven on the road, uh, straight up and against the spread. So, um, that's not why we're picking them to win this game, but there's been some things that have changed. There's been some factors that are coming into play here. I started looking at this game through the lens of Chris Paul's out, right? And and just for the record, when he's out, they're not the same team. They haven't been for the last couple of seasons, as we know. Uh, much worse record without him. It's still a pretty good record because they're still they were a force last year and had a lot more depth last year that you felt comfortable about as well. Uh, not the case this year. In ten games with CP, a nine point three net rating and one hundred and eight defensive rating. They give up twenty three free throw attempts a game, six, th- uh, which is good. Um, and, and six and three, or I'm sorry, they they have 23 free throw attempts a game with Paul and the way that he's distributing and getting guys open shots uh, where, you know, they're getting fouled. He's getting by guys. He's he's dishing off. Um, and that's why, a huge reason why they have so many free throw attempts when Paul is playing seven and two straight up this season with him. Three games without him, minus, and that's the last three, minus 2.1 net, uh, 122 defensive rating. That goes up 14 points per 100. 11 free throw attempts a game. That's 12 less over the course of the last three or four games without Paul when he got hurt against uh, Philly, as you mentioned. And then, uh, you know, also without him, uh, that defensive rating has just been the third worst. Their true shooting is already down to bottom five, bottom six. Uh, assist percentage goes way down. All the things that Chris Ball does, which is lead the teeth of the, of the defense at the point of attack up top and be a pest that way on defense and then on offense get into the lane get to his spots get guys into their spots get assists get free throws none of that is the case when he's not in there and you mentioned there a lack of scoring uh, that means you need a lot more one-on-one scoring you need a lot more guys that can that can score without needing much help cam johnson would be that guy you just give him the ball he's six foot ten he's no one's going to block his three-point shot which he's, he was shooting 40 percent from um same with landry shamit another great three-point shooter obviously drake jay crowder we haven't seen him all season and probably won't um so missing plenty of guys now and if Chris Paul's not in there. It's that's going to be a lot more illuminating. Then you look at the dubs and what's happened for them. 
And the starting point for them is something I talked about earlier in the season with them, which was they're going to they're going to play. They're doing this weird transition, right, where they're trying to be the first team in history that can seamlessly bring in young guys in a season where they're still playing their old guys, give them equals amounts of time and then still win. And that's not the case. Uh, that's that hasn't been the case. That fourth quarter uh, awful defense or and, and really, you know, allowing a ton of points, not being clutch, all that stuff. It's like they think they can bring Steph back in with six minutes left in the game and that even if they're down by a few points, that they're going to be fine. And that just hasn't been the case this year because Steph also isn't getting the same level of help that he's gotten uh, that he got last year, where all the conversation was around. Well, Steph doesn't need to do what he did in the year before where he scores 35 a game because now he's got Dre and Clay and Jordan Poole's there. Damian Lee was there. Gary Payton, the second was there. None of those guys are there and they're not playing as well. Clay, you know, we're waiting on Clay. So all those things have, have led to them being six and eight and horrible, absolutely horrible on the road, bad at defense. Um, but that has changed in the last four games. Specifically, they've become the team that we expect them to be all the necessary stats that they were awful at they've gotten better right so before uh before last uh the last four games um their defensive rating was 116 117 28th in the league their bench was giving up uh the sixth worst defensive rating they were allowing the most points per game and uh in the in the second most in the fourth quarter uh that uh opposition uh three-point percentage and their free throw attempts allowed a game were all awful um in the last four they turned it all around right they've got the fourth best defensive rating they allowed the least points per game uh the eighth least points per game and the eighth least amount in the fourth quarter their three opponent three-point percentage eighth best now 21 free throw attempts allowed so that's about seven less than they were good for 10th in the nba so you know all these things the offensive rating was fine it was okay especially because steph is a one-man offense second in the league this year in points per game and you talked about it a little bit third best per all that stuff um but the, the offensive rating did get a little bit better three points better per 100 in the last four games uh they've moved up a bit they were already pretty good at shooting but they're now fifth in, in true shooting and effective field goal percentage second over the last four games or so so they've really <clears throat> excuse me, they've really, you know, upped what they've got going on an offense, um, getting a lot more open shots, Steph having to do a lot less by himself. And like, like I opened this whole, you know, diatribe with, the who's playing is huge for them because Kuminga's numbers have uh, minutes have gone down a little bit as he's not been able to show that he can stay on the court. James Wiseman is currently in the G League, which is huge for them because he has the second worst net rating of any player when he's on the court. When he's off the court, the team had the second best net rating. Um, so he's just a clear detriment and currently a bust. So all these negatives by, uh, you know, uh, additions by subtraction with less Moses Moody, who also hasn't proven to be able to stay on the floor um, on, on defense, especially especially um, and, and getting DiVincenzo back in the lineup for a few more minutes as he's missed a, a bunch of games recently as well. All these guys probably could have played in their last game that they blew the doors off the Spurs, including Clay and, and Dante DiVincenzo, et cetera. But they, they they had this game circled, like you said. This is one that they're waiting for. I don't know that I even really... I told you I might want to take some Steph props, but if the team's going to come along and Jordan Poole is going to be half as good as 34 points in 19 minutes as he was on Jordan, head bobble, uh, Jordan Poole bobblehead night, uh, then, yeah, you got to feel like he's got another splash bro at least, and Clay uh, needs to come back out and back up that I got four rings talk for sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the dubs. I'm going to hit an alternate spread right now. Uh, excuse me. Right now I'm going to hit an alternate spread, and then I'm also going to see if Chris Paul plays and feel good about that as well yeah i think the prop <clears throat> i would take is clay following that revenge narrative i'm seeing clay four threes in the win at plus 320 uh, and he's hitting 4.2 at on 11 and a half attempts in his last five outings here so i, I mean with, with like you said the addition by subtraction getting more guys out there who know how to move the ball and play in steve kerr's offense like just resulted in the beautiful game out outgunning the Spurs at their own kind of thing, right? 35 assists 
23 field three pointers in their last game granted at home uh but this isn't like your your marathon five game east coast trip that they just you know completely flopped on this is one game in phoenix short trip then they're back home against the knicks before they go on a road back to back so it's a big game like it always is when these teams get together and i just think the warriors are playing are are yeah starting to take off and i think you can get ahead of it by by capitalizing on this line tonight and that's that's what I want to do. If we're going to sit here and talk about knowing the sport and I'm going to sit here and talk about watching every single dubs game, we got to be able to predict a little bit. And and the, the, the tide is turning. Um, and, and I think if they hadn't just blown the doors off the Spurs and hadn't been playing as well as they are, this spread, even without Chris Paul, could be anywhere closer to four or five already, um, just because of the fact that they've been so bad on the road. But yeah, th- that's not who they are. And that's not who I think they'll continue to be all season long. They, they will always be probably a better home team. Chase Arena has become an actual arena where there's some life in it um, and those home games for the dubs. But this isn't who they are uh, on defense. And and the the key here is who's in the lineup. Now we got our vets back for the dubs playing and and a lot, a lot less uh, time for those young guys, because six and eight, you you can't keep messing around in in a really solid West Coast and a really solid Pacific division as well. So in this Celtics Hawks game, we do pretty much know who's going to play. Malcolm Brogdon's going to be out for the Celtics which is a good starting point for saying that I, I don't think this game is going to hit a total of 236 and definitely not a total of 240. Uh, so initially, I think, I, I mean, it's a really hard game to call in terms of the winner. Even at, on minus three, you know, I might like the Celtics, but the last time they were in a tough road spot at Memphis, they won by three. So I don't love that either. I would like to tease to plus seven for Atlanta at home with a total of under 240. Um, or, you know, tease it with another game if you are still scared of that total because the Celtics are, their totals are so high because they have the most efficient offense in NBA history thus far. It is less efficient on the road um, for starters though. And in key spots, when you look at this matchup, they're scoring eight less on the road, 116. They're getting six fewer free throws per game. They are shooting a higher percentage from three on the road uh, on 44 attempts, lower percentage inside the arc. Pace is slower. They're six and one to the over at home versus three and three on the road. And then the, the three pointers are the key here. They're just playing that spread attack number one in three pointers made right now at the fourth highest clip. Uh, but the Hawks are playing elite three point D, um, number two in opponents three point percentage, fourth and makes at home even better, uh, holding opponents to 32%, 31% this year. And in these last four meetings with Boston, they've held the Celtics to 27% from three. The Hawks themselves have been held in check as well. You know, usually we we come into this matchup on the other side, right, Josh, where it's like Hawks are scoring 240 in every game. They're going to light it up with the Celtics. And then these games average like 202, Uh, right? Yeah, the, the Hawks are scoring 103. Celtics are scoring 101 in these last four meetings. The one time they went over before that, I mean, it's a few years ago. Marcus Smart happened to be out. Celtics missing a lot of good wing defenders. Their bigs were Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice. So, you know, that's kind of a struggle. And Atlanta shot over 50% from three. But otherwise, when these teams get together, it's an intense game that that slows down in the fourth. Trey Young is not able to do what he usually does uh, when Marcus Smart is out there on him um marcus smart and Derek white now they still have to throw at Dejounte and, and trey here um the the celtics defense is fourth 
in in points per game allowed in the fourth quarter. So you gotta like that for an under. If it's if this is close down the stretch, they're limiting fast break points, third best, seventh fewest paint points, and seventh best on twos. And the Hawks surprisingly are dead last in in three point percentage. So that fits right into what we're saying here that they're not gonna shoot well from deep and they're not gonna get as much going on the interior against the Celtics, um, who's still protecting the rim, even though they don't have Rob Will. Uh, and, and, you know, the reason I, I, I would take the Celtics basically against most teams right now, uh, they're on a seven-game heater, as we know, um, just lighting it up. But last time we talked about the Hawks at home, Josh was saying, oh, the Sixers are hot. They're going to get them. And, and then I looked into it, and the Hawks just come to play every time they host an Eastern Conference contender. They're now 15-3. and three in their last 18 at home against those other top four teams, the Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, and Heat. Uh, and, and nine of those last 10 games against any Eastern Conference team actually have gone under. So they, they ramp up that defense. They play, they play you tough down the stretch, and, and these teams both have played each other tough. So I think we have an opportunity to capitalize on a really high total by going under. Yeah, man, you crushed it. Um, I, I fully agree with everything you said. Uh, I could tell you did your homework for this game and, and you know the season. This matchup does lend itself to some trends, right? Uh, not only does the, the recent history, uh, especially in Atlanta where they play, really lend itself um, to, to more of an under and, and to Atlanta, you know, playing better defense to the Celtics playing better defense, the Celtics playing slower on the road. Um, Atlanta plays way faster at home, which is wild, but they're just way more efficient on offense on the road. Um, somewhat of a, a, you know, representation of Trey young, who is just always looking to play better on the road. It seems each and every season, at least the last two seasons. And then he really built that, that narrative um, as, as a road player on offense, as just a takeover player on offense on the road, when he obviously beat the 76ers, uh, in that playoff series, and that's really been his MO since. So I, all of that stuff leads to being at home, Trey Young not scoring as much at home in general and also versus the Celtics in these matchups. Uh, he, he, he takes his source scoring to the Garden, um, as, as has been the case when they play in Boston, and those games go a bit higher totals. Um, and so 235, man, like this this opened, and, and people seem to want to bet it up. As you said, the Celtics uh, playing with a historically great offense right now um, and, and not playing nearly as well uh, at home uh, in terms of their, their defensive uh, rating. It's pretty much the same wherever they go, uh, but they are playing a little bit faster uh, at home, which gives up a few more points and on the road, not quite as many points just because they're not playing quite as fast. So um, that, that all makes sense. All the things that they do well on defense, Boston, um, or, or excuse me, do poorly, as you mentioned, are not things that you're worried about the Hawks doing well. Um, and, and really, it's just that Hawks defense at home, man. Like, it's it's way, way better. Uh, I, I really want to give a huge shout-out to, to DeJounte Murray, obviously. And then you also look at, you know, uh, guys down low, like Okongu, coming in and playing a lot better uh, for them than, than and he's really just never been available. So having a nice backup center finally also helps uh, for the Hawks. As, as soon as Clint Capella comes off the floor, they're not completely void of an interior presence, which has helped a lot in terms of defending the paint. Uh, and 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 things of that nature. So, yeah, I, I really love an under in this game. I really don't want to touch who's going to win it. I do think it's going to be close. Um, I'm not a huge fan of teasers in the NBA at, that often just because I get scared at the end of games. But if you're going to give me under 240 and you're saying the Hawks are not going to lose by more than seven points, that, there's just no way I can't feel feel really, really good about that. I, I know that's going to get me probably about closer to minus 110, maybe even minus 120, um, you, you know, depending on where you get it, uh, these, these lines here, if you do want to tease the Hawks. Um, but 
I would feel super comfortable. I'm going to hit the under and not and not worry about it at 235 and feel pretty good about that. Um, but if, if you do want to add a little bit to it and give yourself some security, this would be a time where, yeah, the the either team winning by double digits does not seem like it's 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 possible. And if you look at recent history, the one team winning by double digits in Atlanta is Atlanta. Yeah, we didn't necessarily talk about what the, the Hawks do at home. They're three and four to the under at home versus six and one on the road this year, which is kind of the opposite of what we've seen. But uh, they are playing they're, they're doing that despite going a little bit faster at home but they're less efficient yeah. seven fewer points per hundred uh scoring three fewer yeah. points per game and shooting 29 percent from three again they just they can't buy one the one way this that does go wrong if you take the 240 teaser is if there's just a sudden avalanche of positive regression and everybody's hitting threes um you know tatum is is unbelievable right now and he has played really well his last two at home against Atlanta. You look at the last one in Atlanta, he had 20 points on five for 17 shooting last January. And that was when the Celtics had already started their heater. Uh, at that point, you know, that was still an under big time. Uh, Rob Williams, some credit for that. But like I said, the Celtics are still playing well, protecting the paint. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, neither team should necessarily be relied upon to get a lot of free throws here, which would help you slow the game down, get to the over. It's really going to come down to to whether they can hit a bunch of threes, um, I, I think. And I think both these teams know the personnel well enough and are, are geared up enough, they're coaching well enough to run guys off the line that, that can hit. Uh, and the Hawks are just not even a three-point shooting team right now. I mean, like Trey for a while now has, has been going inside the arc, trying to get his floater game going. And I think that's going to be just a little tougher here against the Celtics' big wings. Fully agree. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I love what we're seeing from Atlanta. If they're going to play that well against the top teams in the East like they have been for the last se- couple seasons and definitely this one, um, then I'm, I'm going to feel pretty good about them uh, in any matchup right now where they're playing, you know, they're a dog and they're playing a top three or four team uh, in the East for sure. So You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first prop for tonight. Yeah, I went 2-0 last night. Josh went 0-2, unfortunately, because the uh, Kings just destroyed the hapless Nets. Shout out Ben Simmons getting his first double-digit anything of the season in a 32-point loss. But man doesn't need to catch any more strays. Let's get into our props today. Kristaps Porzingis. I'm taking over 20 and a half points. Uh, Bradley Beal might actually be back tonight. I mean, he's been out with a non-COVID illness or in protocol. Either way, he sat out a game for conditioning on Sunday. So he might be back. And, I mean, that might seem like a problem for Perzingis, but I still really like this matchup against OKC. Uh, In his last three, the Zinger, 25 points per game, eight rebounds per game on 29% usage, which is where he's at when Beal's out. Now, his usage dropped down to 25% uh, 
with Beal in, but I don't expect Bradley Beal. I mean, we've talked about it before how he's just, you know, kind of passive since he got that super max. I don't expect him to just be like my team. Give me the, give me the damn ball. Uh, and it's going to be a tougher matchup for him against Shea Gilgis and that Thunder backcourt and, and the Thunder interior offer very little resistance. They're giving up the second most rebounds per game overall, uh, second most to power forwards, fifth most to centers. So I like getting the points and rebounds together at 29 and a half for the Zinger. Uh, he's minus 160 to hit two threes. He's shooting 46% from three over his last four here. So understandable there. Uh, but I think he'll get it, he'll get it going inside and out. He's on he's on a nice little run here and um, should should have no problem scoring on OKC. Yeah, I think Poku might be out. Is that what you're basing this pick yes. on? No, I'm just kidding. Either way, yeah. <laughs> uh, did, also, did you clarify that the zinger is uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis? I just want to make sure people know our, our slang here. Uh, but yeah, Chris Stapps there. Um, and yeah, I, I don't see too many injuries for the Thunder, but either way, that that team uh, is is definitely more of a turnstile uh, down low than anywhere else for sure. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and go under here, Nate. It's going to be an under kind of day for your boy. Starting with Trey Young, we, we have a video up about that Boston Atlanta game we like under um I don't know I, I that total is wildly high right it's like 235 and a half right now um so that that might make you think points but we like under 27 and a half points for Trey is minus 125 on DK so obviously seems like they think that's the more likely bet to hit um as they're giving you worse odds there on the on the under for his 27 and a half points um Look, it's all, it, it, Boston uh, has not been the same juggernaut on defense. They've been the best offensive team in the league. They just have not been the, the same defensive team that we've, we expect from them in the way that they really kind of built their uh, success last season. They're just wildly efficient on offense now. But uh, on defense, they do limit assists, and, and they do play well against Trey. And, and Trey's last four versus Boston, at home specifically, 26 points, four boards, seven assists a game in 34 minutes a game. 34 minutes a game with a 38% usage rate. Um, um, that's Luka Doncic and nobody else, right? Like nobody gets a 38% usage rate, especially over four games in a row. So he, he's doing everything for them and, and still uh, in, in a ton of time and still getting that stat line at a combined, you know, 33 points and assists a game, which uh, right now for him is just not, it's too low, but his assist prop is only at seven and a half on, on DraftKings. That's at minus 165. Um, but it does tell you they're not, they're not willing to really go too high for Trey on these assists. If you're fa- paying close attention to how good Boston is, um, which is third best at limiting uh, their opponents in, in terms of getting assists, second best at limiting point guards and getting assists. Also, you know, 12th or 13th in terms of limiting a po- uh, opponent, opponent point guard uh, points per game as well and rebounds. Um, but I, I'm sticking with the, the points. I don't really want to start getting into the assists. I still think he could get a decent amount and it does scare me a little bit uh, to, to, to have to bank on Trey getting less than 10 assists in a game, even though I understand that's not what he does against. Uh, that is what he does is get less than that against uh, these Celtics. But, you know, we talk about Trey being a, a villain and loving that villain role on the road at home. It's not quite the same. 24 in his last 10 at home, dating back to a couple of games last season, 24 points a game, three boards, 10 assists. So that's still doesn't get you obviously the 27 and a half points that's really what I'm focused on even those games where he was in the last 10 at home only two of those games were against a top 10 defense in Miami uh the other eight games were against teams like Charlotte twice New Orleans Washington the Rockets and the Philadelphia uh, 76ers who are not good on defense as as well when they played them earlier so uh I feel 
pretty good about Trey being held in check a bit more at home. I feel good about that game going under. And I'm just going to stick to the points because I, I do think there's always the possibility that if, you know, the three-point shooting for Atlanta wakes up, which it's been completely asleep, but if it wakes up in any way tonight, we see a barrage, the assist could be there for him. But I, I just don't feel that way about the points. Yeah, I mean, last seven for Trey, is it's gotten cold, man. 23 points per game, 35, 28 splits. Uh, I don't really see him lighting up the Celtics with Smart and Derek White hounding him all night. Derek White, the best get-through-screens guy in the world, uh, whatever that stat is. Maybe the best take charge-taking uh, guy. You know, the best things that don't show up in the in the box score. He's a great defender, though. Um, and and they've, they've guarded Trey well. Uh, I think the overall PRA is what I would go under because he's not much of a rebounder uh, for sure. He's averaging two and a half boards his last seven there. So 39 and a half at FanDuel, go under that. I mean, then you're getting the points plus less than uh, 13 peripherals, right? Which I I don't think he's getting 11 or 12 dimes against the Celtics defense. So I like that pick. Uh, My under is going to be Terry Rozier. With the Hornets at, hosting the Pacers here. I mean, the Hornets, first of all, are not good. They're 29th in offensive efficiency at home. So I, I don't think you expect them to light up the Pacers, even though the Pacers have a very poor defensive rating on the road. But they figured out some things, at least scheme-wise, in their, in their four-game homestand, put together a very respectable 109 defensive rating. And they've guarded point guards pretty well. Top 10 in terms of points allowed. I don't know if Terry is technically the point guard anymore because LaMelo ball is back. Uh, But to me, that means a a significant drop in usage. As you saw, first game, you know, last game without LaMelo, 29% usage. First game with him, 26. Now we're down to 22 in Terry's last game uh, in in his career or in the last two seasons since LaMelo, it became his team. His assists dropped from nearly six to four per game with LaMelo. His points dropped from... 20 and a half to 19 and a half. The minutes even drop uh, to 34 per game. I think the minutes will be there, uh, but I don't think he's going to have much success from against Indy unless he's hitting from three. They're 30th and three point percentage allowed, but eighth in two and allowing the third fewest paint points. Um, and Rogier's fresh off a one for eight shooting night from three. He only shoots 32% from three at home. Uh, and, you know, he's only averaging 21 and a half, 21.3 at home despite a 30% usage rate, which, like I said, is dropping with LaMelo. So his prop is 21 and a half. That's what I'm saying. I don't see him necessarily getting his average now that LaMelo's out there, and I like combining it with the assists at 26 and a half because he's not going to get as many playmaking opportunities. 100%. Yeah, the assists definitely, I'm happy to put those in there uh, as well. Uh, he, he's just struggled shooting the ball this season just so tremendously, man. I mean, and that's because there's he, he's just taking it on and going, oh, sick, no LaMelo, no Gordon Hayward, no Miles Bridges. Uh, guess it's t- scary Terry time, right? And and that's led uh, to uh, what, what's his field goal percentage right now over on the season? Thirty eight percent from uh, from the field, eight for twenty one at twenty one shots a game. It's like Terry, maybe maybe start dishing a little bit more, but he's still not, he's just not even gonna have the opportunity to get that many shots up uh, in this game if if Lamelo's gonna have the ball in his hands that much and and really running uh, as fast as he can, uh, trying to keep that tempo up. Uh, and if Indy's playing a little bit better on defense, like you, I'm surprised by all these stats that you're. You're, you're showing uh, with Indy's D as I was ready to just be like one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Let's I, I'm scared of an under, but everything you're saying makes complete sense, especially that usage rate that continues to drop for Mr. Rozier. So. 
And Miles Turner's playing now, so they're protecting That makes the sense, paint, right. Yeah. The, the man who blocks uh, more shots than anyone in the last two or three seasons. So that, that makes plenty of sense. Or second, uh, behind only Rudy. But uh, speaking of Rudy, I'm not taking him in this one, but I am going to reference him a number of times as I talk about Carl Anthony Towns' under uh, in a game against the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Magic are, they're playing in Orlando where the Magic are 4-4 four and four on the season um, and, and actually a pretty good team coming off a, a win not that long ago when they did have, uh, actually I don't believe they even had Paolo in their win against uh, the uh, at home against the Mavs, but 34.5 PRA for Cat, minus 120 on DK. Uh, I didn't check FanDuel, but it's usually about the same, if not a little bit more on FanDuel with probably uh, slightly worse odds to go under is, is often what I see. But Cat and Gobert on the floor, as I mentioned, I was going to reference Mr. Gobert here. Uh, 262 minutes that they played this season together with a minus five net rating and a 104 offensive rating. That's bad. Uh, and and that's, 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 that's the team when they're on the floor. The spacing has not been figured out. It's been talked about ad nauseum. The one time that he played without Rudy, 25 points, 11 boards, and seven assists, or excuse me, twice that he's played without Rudy. That's what he's averaging this year is Carl Towns. Um, but Orlando stifles bigs. That's what they do. They they start eight seven footers. And they have eight seven footers in their rotation. Um, they play at the ninth slowest pace at home. Uh, they're second in limiting in limiting their opposing t- uh, their opposition's rebounding, which is huge uh, for Cat and Gobert. Uh, they're a little bit better. They're they're really good on defense against both power forwards and centers, but a little bit better against power forwards. Um, and I think that's often because power forwards in today's NBA, a la Cat, don't know what to do when they have a real center down low like Rudy. Gobert, who can't do anything outside of you know 15 feet from the basket, so and, and makes him completely useless. So um, you know, but versus power forwards, top five in po- limiting points, rebounds, and assists. So I'm going to put it all out there for Cat. Um, I, I think this is he's averaging about what his PRA is at, um, and and that's you know not considering that he's playing on the road where they're slightly worse and, and against an Orlando team at home that um, has just been eating up bigs uh, this season. And I, I know that's a reason you might consider maybe like a D'Lo over or a guard over or something like that for Minnesota. Um, but I feel very comfortable about an under for, for the bigs and specifically cat in this situation. Yeah. I don't see this game the same way. I mean, first of all, yeah. Wendell Carter is questionable, very underrated player for Orlando. If he's out, if Orlando's playing this many bigs, I think it's actually the one instance where cat and Rudy will both be comfortable out there. And I think it kind of leans towards more rebounds. Orlando gives up a ton of rebounds because they're not very good offensively. Uh, So I'd be nervous about this under PRA. Also, the Wolves, it seemed like, finally did figure some things out, right? They got 129 against the Cavs that playing the way they did last year, which is like 250 totals, giving up 50 to DG, but still outgunning them um, and hitting you know, shooting 50% from three as a team. That's why I was going to look at D'Angelo Russell, who had 30 and 11 in that game. I like his PRA. It's lower than Cat at at 25 and a half. Uh, Because Orlando's, yeah, they're so big that a a good pick and roll point guard should be able to just kind of carve them up. Uh, You know, if he continues that usage and if Anthony Edwards continues to look sluggish like he has so far this season – I like D'Lo. That's my take on this one. Uh, I'm just going to keep waiting and seeing on whether Towns and Gobert can actually play together, but I don't think this is the matchup to attack him necessarily. Well, 
let me just disagree slightly with you disagree with me only to say their pace at home Minnesota is 104 and a half this season their pace on the roads 98 and a half last season was a similar concept where at home best offensive team in the league playing at the fastest pace in the league on the road awful offensive team playing at a much slower pace so it's a similar concept here where at home they seem to play a lot faster I'm going to go ahead and pick this game as, as getting a, a ahead of what I think is going to be overinflated. I think that the trend is going to continue of, of, off, of, def, of, of road uh, offensive woes for, uh, for Minnesota and that, that slow pace. But that's what I'm banking on tonight. It is our fourth pick. We feel really, really good about the other three. I like this one. There's a little bit of dissent, um, but that makes for a little bit better podcast, Nate. So we'll continue uh, to be bringing you guys these each and every weekday. Make sure to follow along, like, and subscribe to that page. We'll be coming back to you guys tomorrow. So until we see you next, happy betting.